We are straight-talking Southern girls in our 50s, and that's what you're going to get. Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. We're your hosts, Joe Jamie Tyler and Lana Helda. Come along for the ride and join us as we travel to bring you thought-provoking subjects and women who inspire and strive to make a difference in the world. Hello, ladies. We have Leah Guy with us today who has been working as an intuitive, transpersonal healer, spiritual teacher, inspirational speaker, and media personality, and is an expert on meditation and the mind-body connection. She does energy medicine, and as well as emotional and spiritual healing. Leah is the author of the new book, The Fearless Path, A Radical Awakening to Emotional, and healing, to emotional healing and Inner Peace. Welcome, Leah. Hi, thanks for having me. Leah, thank you so much for being with us. You know, there's so much to talk about when we start talking about transpersonal healing and spiritual wellness. And having said that, I thought maybe we could just start where you could tell us a little bit more about your intuitive approach to wellness and what maybe exactly in transper, transpersonal healer does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, my approach is very holistic in nature, but I find that word holistic has gotten to be very overused and uh, quite frankly, we abuse it. You know, we, we think if we're eating organic or doing yoga or doing one thing or the other, that we're living this holistic lifestyle. But I really incorporate the, um, the various aspects of the, of our physicality, of our emotional well-being, of our energy system and of course, of our mental health into my work. So transpersonal just really means, um, you know, above and beyond the body self. Um, the body self is obviously very crucial, and it's the foundation. It's a, it's a great place to start, whether we're searching for enlightenment or healing from trauma or just trying to be on our path of personal growth. Um, but very often, we get stuck in the physical aspect. Even with the work such as Reiki or Healing Touch or what have you, we translate that into just a physical understanding of our health when there's really so much more to it. And, and that's what I am very passionate to teach about. Yeah, that kind of brings me to the emotional or mental versus spiritual health. And, and so yeah. you're going down that road. So why don't you expand on that a little bit more? Sure. Well, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned mental and emotional health because they're, they're different, but very connected. Almost every thought that we have carries an emotion with us, with, whether we realize, uh, you know, we may just be thinking about going to the backyard. There's an emotion that wells up very subconsciously or sometimes very triggered and very hot, but we have a general emotion to almost every thought that we have. We're giving a lot of attention these days to mental health, which is fantastic because we need to do that. There's a lot of people suffering and needing attention in that arena. But we also have to open the door to the emotional aspect of this, you know, that's causing some of the issues in the mental health uh, field and that's adding to or really sometimes independent of our mental health. The emotional bodies, um, they not only store memory, but they, as, as I just said, you know, we get triggered from... Uh, past. We have emotions that run all throughout our being all day long. And so when we're on a spiritual quest or on just a, a path of wellness and people that are spiritual minded and, and, and seeking a better, more peaceful, harmonious life, we have to include and address both of those aspects. You know, there's nothing about attaining enlightenment that doesn't include learning how to 
either um, observe, control, or witness and process the mind and the emotions. So they're very integrated, but they're also very unique. So you just mentioned those three things. Can you dive into each one quickly and give us a quick little brief introduction into that? That's so interesting to me. Yeah, sure. So um, what, I'm, what I've been seeing, and a, and a lot of people, and a lot of teachers and gurus, you know, especially in the spiritual world, they're, um, they're trying to teach people how to stop their thoughts, let go of their feelings, and just um, reach for this level of awakening enlightenment that happens um, almost hyper or higher consciously. And although that sounds like a really fantastic idea, and some people can, you know, journey to India and different places that are, quote, spiritual or, you know, higher vibration, and they can um, kind of turn off part of their life for most of us, if not for all of us. It's very unrealistic to um, try to achieve the spiritual nature without addressing our physical, our mental, and our emotions. So that whole idea I talk about a lot in my book, um, emotional health being attached to um, the energy systems at large, that our, our emotional health is not something that we can disconnect from. That, that attempt of disconnection is actually causing more mental health issues. In other words, if I have a problem with you and I don't like you, you hurt me. And so I don't like you because you hurt me. Uh, this whole notion and theory of oh, just let her go and time will heal and, you know, um, you don't need negative energies in your life. That does absolutely nothing to process my emotions. And so when I have stuck or blocked emotions and I'm trying mentally to disconnect from you, I'm causing a separation and disconnection within me. And so no matter what else I do in my life, what journey I'm on, how much I meditate, um, you know, whatever self-help books I read and mindfulness practices I do, I'm going to have this block and separation of the feeling between you and I. And so the approach that I take is about connection and it's about um, integrating all aspects. So I cannot be free to attain the peace and harmony and enlightenment that I'm seeking without one, being physically balanced, without two, uh, addressing my authentic emotions. And if I can't heal them, at least offering enough compassion for myself and the other to accept what is, meaning accepting love and accepting pain. And three, um, learning that I uh, am a constant um, observer of my own mind, that I am not controlled by my mind. So this is where we get into a lot of trouble. The mind tries to run us. The emotions try to break us away from pain. And then our spirit is crippled in the attempt of growth. And as long as we keep that formula going, we're going to keep on the hamster wheel of, I don't feel good. I don't trust. My heart's broken. Um, I, you know, I feel negative and toxic and exhausted and so forth. And it's very hard to live your purpose when you feel those, those things. Yeah. Well, since you're talking about the connection and, and the disconnection, maybe you could tell us some of the tips or tools that you give people to help stay connected with themselves or with others. Yeah. Um, so in, in the book, I, I talk a lot, I give a lot of examples of what I call emotional workouts. And they're very much like physical workouts. You know, it's like every day we have to practice and they're not all self-serving. Some of them are very, you know, inward seeking and journaling and, and um, you know, running through our our emotions and thoughts and processing, but a lot of them are actually 
very creative, external, helping others, you know, getting involved and engaged. I find that so many people and a lot of us that are on the spiritual quest or the self-help path, um, you know, we, we become very self-centered, not in necessarily a negative way, but in that way of constantly thinking of the self. And one of the greatest things that we can do, not just for our emotions, but also for our bodies and our mind is to stay connected to the earth. I, you know, one of the emotional workouts is um, to help with patience and mindfulness and love is to start a little seedling, you know, grow a seedling into whatever it may become, watch it and tend to it every day, um, volunteer at a hospice or a, an elderly home or a child's home, what have you. Being in service in some way, and it doesn't have to be to people, it can be to animals, it can be to organizations, it can be to the earth, to a tree, that we feel that connection. And when we are connected, we are better connected with our feeling of safety inside of ourselves. And then when we're safe, then we can feel the feeling. If I don't like her, and I do, Joe Jamie, I love you, but you know, <laughs> if I didn't like her and I was processing that pain, the only reason I don't like her, remember, is because she hurt me. If I feel safe inside, then I, I can travel to that pain of the hurt. And in there, I can hopefully find some empathy, understanding, forgiveness, um, compassion for myself, and, and recognize that I actually still do have positive feelings for her as well. Love that. Yes. So let's go back to uh, managing stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel we can manage our stress and anxiety better um, and keep our lives and issues in perspective? Well, that's, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> There's so much stress <laughs> in the world, isn't there? Um, well, as I said, I think the first thing to address is the stability internally. Um, we are housed in this physical body. And so if we are nutritionally imbalanced, if we are emotionally imbalanced, or if we are inactive in certain ways, just physically imbalanced, then we're going to struggle with almost everything, including stress. When stress comes into our life, we already have literally one foot off the ground, and then we're, we're thrown off You know, much quicker than a person who's grounded and stable. So in the book, I talk about the energy systems, and I teach a lot about chakras and energy, not as um, a sole mechanism of healing, but as a tool for understanding. And that sense of being grounded and rooted comes from that root first chakra center, which is about like our carnal sense of self, our humanity, our body, our, our physical nature. And so um, I can't stress enough, even though I, I teach more on the emotional and spiritual work these days, but being nutritionally balanced and getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise, the very basic things that we need to function every day is one of the best ways to take care of stress. Having said that, we all get stressed and, um, and it's very difficult to, to deal with at times. Um, I think that a stress and anxiety are always a symptom of unresolved emotions, almost always, unless you're in the midst of a crisis in the midst of a divorce, in the midst of a move, in the midst of a job relocation, in the midst of a midlife crisis, in the midst of whatever, then um, we attribute so much of our that emotional energy that we have onto other things as simply a way to keep us distracted from that inner turmoil and pain that we have. We do not want to deal with the junk <laughs> inside of ourselves. So when I'm focused out here, it takes me, even though that is stressful, it takes me away from what I'm really afraid of or what, what maybe one of my deepest, darkest negative beliefs about myself is. I can focus here and make it 
almost control my life or else I have to look within and really do the work to find peace and harmony inside. So it becomes a very, um, you know, it asks us to be honest with ourselves a lot. Well, and you're speaking about the honesty and, and looking within ourselves and really facing what we need to face. And I've heard you talk about the emotional maturity. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe you would expound on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, it comes up on almost all my interviews and in my personal work with people because, um, Emotional maturity is very different than physical maturity. And as we know, you know, everyone matures at a different rate depending on their background, their circumstances, their family history, their relationships, and these imbalances that are created by all these things. Emotional maturity comes when we can own who and how we are. And it's not just about removing the blame. It's really about the ownership of who am I now and how am I now and how and what can I do to be a better version of myself. If I'm in a, in a toxic relationship or marriage, obviously that's not healthy for either party. However, it's never about the other person ever. There is something about that that I'm attracted to that keeps kicking up my old wounds. There's something about that pattern or emotional imprint that's familiar to me, even though it's not healthy, it's familiar. And I'm the one that has to admit to those things and look at that and how I can make changes. If I keep asking that of the other person, I'm never doing my own work. So um, I always tell people, you know, when I work with clients one-on-one, probably the first 10 minutes of our session, they, it's a rambling of my husband, this, my wife, this, my boss, my mom, my dad, my child, they, 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 and it's, and it's making me crazy. The whole thing is about everyone else, right? You know? And then I say, well, how are you? What are you doing? And then that shifts They're They're lost. People are just (laughs) lost. They don't even know how they are. They just know who and how they are in relation to something else, in relation to someone else. And when we keep that distraction, that distancing, it's very much like anxiety. As long as I have this, I know I know that to expect that. I know this person needs me, is dysfunctional, is unhealthy. I can't convince them of this. But as long as I stay attached to that, I never have to deal with my sense of unworthiness. So would you say emotional maturity has something to do with then really accepting responsibility and really being able to say, wait a minute, I've got to look at myself first. My life is not going to change until I look at what I'm doing in this equation. Yes, exactly. But some people then take that statement to the to the point of I'm responsible for all this, you know, (laughs) like, you know, I'm responsible for self. And if I change myself, then magically everything else will change. Sometimes it does happen that way. But when we're thinking that way, we're still thinking about the other. We're still trying to control the situation. All we need to be concerned about, and it's very hard, especially for people who have codependency, which are a lot of us, including me, I feel, you know, and we all have that tendency in certain, in certain dynamics. But when we have codependency or when we have shame or when we have feelings of I'm not enough and I need to prove myself somehow, then we will take on, even when we learn to separate, then we take on all the responsibility of if I had, if I could have, if I should have. None of that is part of emotional response, emotional maturity. What's emotionally mature is for me to say, I'm in pain right now. And it is my responsibility to get myself out of pain. 
when I get out of pain, I will be out of pain. When I get out of pain, it doesn't mean my husband will be out of pain. It doesn't mean my job will be better. It doesn't mean anything. It means I will be out of pain. I love myself enough and I deserve to be out of pain. So, you know, yeah. Do do you think that helps? I mean, I I know um, someone personal in my life right now that was in a basically a a toxic relationship and all of a sudden when they remove themselves out of the situation got out of it she said I feel like a veil has been lifted for me I didn't see what was it was like because it was just you know I was in it so deep but once I I removed myself from it I could see that that was not a healthy relationship yeah yeah, and that is true. I, you know, often we do find people and couple with people that uh, mirror us or that trigger us with those deeper wounds. And then we start trying to work out our emotional health with them. And, you know, recently I was talking to my therapist about this very topic because it gets very confusing when you're in a relationship that you're working on relational needs. You know, that's what a relationship is for, learning how to communicate, learning how to be intimate, learning to share your feelings. But it's not the place to work on your emotional needs. If you're angry, bitter, resentment, uh, resentful, depressed, uh, have, you know, all these old childhood wounds that are coming up, that's not the place to do it. You can talk about them, your experience of them, but what happens is people get so enmeshed together and then all of a sudden it's almost impossible to break free and get loose because each person is firing off the other person's stuff. And so we separate and we go, oh, I feel so much better. I I shouldn't be in that. Well, that may not be the truth. Maybe the truth is you need to go work on your stuff Right. And let your partner work on their stuff. Yeah. And sometimes and then, you, you can come back together and it works out once they, everybody's yes. done their work. And then, exactly. then, of course, you come back together and you both have to still do your work together. But right. yeah. it can happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. Relationships are just difficult. But it's the main place that we learn who we are. And I think it's one of the main places that we can learn how to heal. Certainly. Wow. Uh, there are... Um, you, you talk about tools women can use to improve and strengthen our self-worth uh, because you were just saying that that's part of this whole work that we're doing is, is understanding our self-worth and um, minimize that little self-doubt voice in our head. Yeah. We have uh, the amount of negative self-talk and self-doubt that, that suppresses our happiness you know, and, and our goals and our dreams, we sabotage, not only just sabotage, I think sabotage is a strong word. We subconsciously stop ourselves because it's too much money. And that means I'm not worth it. It's, um, you know, it's in a different place, which means I would ruin my family. It's in a, there's a million excuses that people come up with, but what it boils down to is that feeling of either I'm not lovable, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy. Or, and then the the big one is I'm not safe. And we have these really deeply ingrained um, aspects of ourselves. And that's where we have to become mature enough to recognize, you know, what is it in me that feels unlovable? Because it's not my parents' job anymore to try to make me feel lovable. No matter what happens, here's how I am. And so when we're building new confidence, when we're building, building that sense of self-esteem and lovability and compassion and so forth, we have to take actionable steps. You know, and women in particular are so good at taking steps for everyone else. And then we take, you know, little small steps like, oh, let me treat myself to a glass of wine or let me get my nails done. But it's oftentimes a superficial stuff that we feel like we're, you know, spoiling ourselves with. But it's not real penetrated, deep-seated, loving 
compassion. It's not trust in ourselves. And, you know, I'm, I'm guilty as anyone, you know, um, I was in a relationship and trying to hang on so bad. And I felt like, you know, if I remove myself to take care of myself for a while, that would go away. Am, am, am I not worth someone waiting for me for three or four weeks? You know, am I not worth someone remembering who I am? Am I, it, it, it's amazing what crops into, and we're not even conscious of it half the time. You know, we really have to stay present to what's going on to be aware um, well, and I think a lot of, you know, at, at our age, so Jamie and I, you know, do talk with a lot of women that are, you know, over 40 years old and they're either trying to reinvent themselves right. or maybe they're just looking for something to fulfill them. And a lot of times, it's, you know, it's very easy to get stuck in a rut and, yes. and it's, it's, it's hard to start new habits and to break out. And I'm just curious, maybe some things that you give some of your clients to sort of ignite them and get them excited again and help them take that first step. Because we all know it's all about just taking that first step towards something. Right. But when you don't feel good, that step is almost impossible. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it really, it's, it really is. And that's why I keep harping on the emotional aspects of like guilt and shame and this, these deep emotions, because if I feel poor about myself, even if right in front of me, I have the ability to grasp the dream. If I feel poor about myself, I'm going to wake up and I'll make a million excuses of why I can't get there. And so to get there, I have to trust myself and feel safe and feel worthy and feel all this stuff to say, I'm going to. And then when, I, when you say I'm going to and do it, yes, that does build the confidence, that in itself. But it's, it's taking, you know, it's, unless you have someone pushing you, oftentimes on our own accord, <laughs> we'll do whatever we can, you know, just stop, stop, don't make me do it, even though it's the very thing we want. So yeah, um, I think the nutrition part of it too can make a big difference. You know, if you're, if you're getting what you need in your body and you're taking your supplementation or whatever it is that makes you feel better, mm-hmm. hormones, whatever it is, mm-hmm. then a lot of times when you feel better physically too, it definitely really affects your emotions and, and gives you that little push, that strength. But I think some people maybe, you know, it's not even that they're in pain or that they're emotionally really stuck necessarily emotionally stuck, it's just hard sometimes to start over, to start something fresh, you know, to, to yeah, but usually there's fear there. behind that. I mean, if it, yeah. if there weren't fear, fear for sure. Yeah, yeah. But fear, you know, fear is also, also one of those big kind of, you know, it, it blankets a lot of different emotions. We hide behind the fear, right? You know? And so we have to really dig a little bit and say, what am I afraid of? And that's what I'm saying. Am I afraid that I'm not yeah. going to make it? Am I not worthy of this? Am I not safe in this? Do I not have backing? Do I not have the support I need? You know, so there's always something behind the fear. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty good risk taker, but it's after a lot of years of work. And actually, I do this workshop for women. It's about the sacral chakra, the second chakra, and that's our energy feeling center. Um, And it's about igniting that passion. You know, the first thing, yeah, the first thing I talk about in that workshop is what turns you on? Name five things that turn you on. And the, the, no one knows where to start. They write down one thing. And, they, you know, and I say it can be sexual. It can be pleasurable. It can be artistic. It can be anything. It can be a rabbit in a donkey outfit. I don't care what turns you on. What gives you that feeling of, oh, my God, I can't wait to do this. 
And so many people either have lost touch with what they're turned on by, or they feel ashamed, or they shouldn't feel that way about what it is. And that's what I'm saying. We think, oh, I don't have a lot of pain. But the truth is we have been shamed and shamed and shamed and shamed. You should do this. You should not take off work today. You should not follow your dreams. You have a family to take care of. You have responsibilities. You should, you should, you should. You shouldn't wear your hair long after you're 45. You shouldn't wear the miniskirt. You should. It's just constant. It's constant. It makes sense. Tell us about your Facebook um, workshops that you do. Yeah. Well, I do. um, I do online courses, some online courses through Daily Om. And um, the the other courses right now are mostly all live. So I I do a lot of workshops about fear, about anxiety, about the energy system, um, healing your inner child and creativity and passion. These are all things that I'm passionate about. You know, when I'm doing that, that's what turns me on. And so I love to help ignite that in other people. But I've just seen over and over again, the response is, you know, it's, it's fear-based, but it's really shame-based. typically shame or guilt. What your, uh, well, first of all, once again, your website is called modernsage.com. Yes. Uh-huh. And what led you to uh, pick that name? It's such a, it's a great name. It is a great name. And you know what? I bought the name. <laughs> Modern Sage used to be a magazine in New York and um, it went for sale and I have no idea. They reached out to me if I wanted to buy it. And back in 2007, I bought it just because I liked the name and I had a gut feeling. I said, I'm going to buy the, the name and buy the website and buy the whole thing. And someday I'm going to turn this into something more substantial. And that's, that's what I did. So that's awesome. That's a great story. You know, I I want to say one more thing. I just going back to, uh, you know, doing something fearful. I want Leah to share with everybody something that she did recently that I think is incredibly courageous. And that was uh, buy a van and start (laughs) taking it across the country. Tell us a little bit of how that came about and how scary was that? Yeah. Well, so I had a store, a retail store and a healing center. And I just started having that feeling of being trapped, like a lot of us feel in our daily jobs, whether you own the business or not, it's a common feeling. And for me, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of more of an out there kind of person. And my lease was coming due and I didn't feel right about signing a lease again. The area is exploding, you know, the rent went up and I thought, you know, my whole mission in life is not to come to Jersey city and open one store. That is not why I was born. I do not feel like that was my sole purpose. And, and what I love to do is teach and I love to meet people and be out in the world and do media. And so it was just a, really a, a, a thought one day. I thought, well, there's fashion trucks. Why can't there be a metaphysical healing truck? It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yes. And so I went and looked at three cars and one of them was huge. And my friends were like, please don't do that. <laughs> and I looked at two others. And the third one I found, it was at the middle of the night. I was literally visiting a friend in Princeton. And I looked on Craigslist. I was like, well, why I'm here, I might as well look. And I looked and there, there it was. And it was just the perfect setup. It's old. It has a ton of miles, but it was just what I needed. It was built out a little bit. It had everything I needed. It was just magical. All I had to do was paint it and decorate it and turn it into the metaphysical store. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, permits or anything. And I've just figured it out. And I've since taken it pretty much all across the country. I've been on multiple TV shows with it because it gets a lot of attention. I've done healing sessions in it for strangers in the middle of Los Angeles to Tulsa, Oklahoma and Sedona and Florida and Kentucky and 
New York and everywhere. And I plan, my plan is for a year to keep with this movement with the van and touch as many people as I can and hug as many people as I can and teach as much as I can about uh, realigning ourselves to our soul, because that's my main thing. That's beautiful. Well, I think that's an amazing journey and it sounds exciting and you have to keep us, you have to keep us in tune. You have to, yeah. you know what would be great is if you let us do a podcast when you're at one of your events or something. Yeah. It'd be really fun because we're going to come that way. So Leah, do you have any morning rituals that you practice daily? I do. Usually, um, basically I did a video on YouTube about it. Um, I wake up, I have my lemon water, I have a little cranberry water with vitamin C and flaxseed, and then I go straight to, well, feed the animals, and then I go straight to my deck, um, and I do a series of 10 sun salutations, like yoga poses Mm -hmm. and asanas, and um, a little meditation, and that's how I start my day. So every day, I I kind of wake up, I wake my body up physically, you know, in the liver and the bowels and so forth, and I wake up the other parts of my being and then I wake up my mind and then I set off on my day. That's great. Now, when do you, I know you're a big proponent of meditation. When do you get in your meditation? I am. Well, I do it at the end of the yoga uh, sequence or as part of the yoga sequence. To me, yoga is meditation, you know, in movement. Um, And I am a big proponent of it, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I sit around and cross-legged, you know, half hour every day because I don't. I, I have a very meditative kind of um, way about me. Usually when I wake up in the morning before I even do my morning routine, I'll go into a meditative mindfulness practice. Um, a lot of times right before I go to sleep, I'll do a meditation app. Um, and then sometimes during the day, I often teach meditation. So then I'm part of that meditation and then the yoga and what have you. So I, for me, I try more to, um, have it be a part of how I just operate. You know, I don't turn on the TV when I come home. I don't turn on music. I'm very, um, you know, I, I, I'm just very with the, the moment. Well, I liked, I heard you talk about that, you know, you don't have to sit down, as you said, and meditate and that you were kind of explaining on something I listened to about mindfulness and that sometimes it's just a matter of taking a few minutes and just stop, stop yeah. and listen, stop and smell, stop and breathe, stop and yeah. be in nature. And I think that's a great tip to give people because I think people take on that, oh, I've got to go and, and learn how to meditate now. It's one more yeah. thing. I don't have time. I, I don't want to meditate. I can't sit still. So I think that's great that you're teaching people just take a breath, just slow down. Yeah, thanks. I did a very popular article or turned popular called, uh, I won't swear on here, but it's called sit down and shut the F up. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that it resonates with people because we make so many excuses like you just said, of why it can't, why it doesn't work. And, you know, it just goes on and on. Our, our brains are really wired in a, in a very unique way. We have to learn how to be observers of our mind. Otherwise, we're going to go down a rabbit hole real quick. Well, now, flip side of that, uh, you have been quoted as saying that uh, there's a quote that you like, and it says, one must still have chaos in oneself to be able to give birth to a dancing star. Mm. What does that mean to you? Well, I think it's unrealistic. Like I said earlier, um, we're we're trying to achieve the unachievable. For me as an artist and as a healer, 
I can only heal that which I understand and know. If I try to avoid and perfect and tie up all the corners of my life, when I show up to anywhere, I'm going to be uh, lost because I'm not in touch with what is. So just like um, artistically, you know, I know people who write, you know, we all want to have like the perfect scenarios to make it all happen. But when we can access and let loose some of that chaos and some of that erratic energy inside of ourselves, we all have it. We're afraid of it because we feel like we're going to get out of control. But it is that very energy that really can blossom into amazing stuff, mindfully and creatively and spiritually and in all sorts of ways, relationally. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, you know, I, there's great value and I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying. There's great value in being still and finding that Zen and that peace and so forth, but there's equal value in really being alive and letting that, that fire ignite within you. You know, it's, uh, we're here, we're here to do this. Let's, you know, let's do it. Let's feel it. Let's be in it. And, uh, that can drive you to greater places than trying to force our way down the silent tunnel. I love that. Um, so everybody, this is, we're about to have, to, our, our time is about up, but I just beg you to check out Leah Guy's YouTube channel because she does have so many wonderful YouTube uh, videos that are so helpful. They're short, they're quick, they're to the point. Um, She's got her website, leahguy.com, modernsage.com. All will have our links. All these links will be in our show notes on ladiesroadmap.com. So thank you, Leah. Uh, Lana, do you want to sign her off with our last question that we always ask everybody? Yes, Leah. What would you see and or what would you want, let me put it another way, for women in the future? Hmm. What would I want for women in the future? Um, well, obviously, the, the first answer that comes to mind is equality, but then equanimity. That we can stop feeling the fight, but we can find the balance and the peace within ourselves and in our surroundings. So Perfectly said. Perfectly said, and a great place to end the end this on a beautiful note. Thank you. We so appreciate you joining us on Ladies Roadmap. And ladies, if you like this show, please subscribe to Ladies Roadmap. And if while you're there, go ahead and rate us. One more thing before we go. Ladies, do you have friends or family that have never listened to a podcast, don't know what one is, and certainly need help downloading? So Jamie's put together a fabulous quick tutorial on our website explaining what a podcast is and how to download. Just go to our website, ladiesroadmap.com, and go to the podcast page, and it's right at the top. Thank you for spreading the word about Ladies Roadmap. Thank you for listening to Ladies Roadmap. We'd like to give a shout out to our amazing music producer, Cam Tyler at litloops.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to www.ladiesroadmap.com and click on podcast. It's as easy as that. Or you can subscribe on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ladies Roadmap. And you know what else? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at info at ladiesroadmap.com. And until next week, remember, the greatest part of a road trip isn't arriving at your destination. It's all the wild stuff that happens 
in between. Mm-hmm.